This is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you are new here. What you are about to hear is a audio version of a astrology forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also see it on video there. And this podcast is a place where I share both these forecasts as well as interview conversations with people that I find inspiring. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you the astrology forecast for September 8th to 14th, 2021. Please like this video, leave a comment at some point, and let me know what resonates with you and how you're doing. And subscribe to this channel, hit the notification bell so that you'll get notified when new videos come out. Major events of this week, Venus will enter Scorpio and Mars will enter Libra. Considering traditional rulership, Scorpio being ruled by Mars though I normally use Pluto as the ruler of Scorpio. Um, But using traditional rulership, we're looking at Mars and Venus in each other's palaces, so to say. So they're in mutual reception. They're in each other's signs of rulership, which means that Venusian and Martian themes will be coming together dynamically. Many things uh, possible here. One, we're looking at things like passion. I think Venus and Mars are both very passionate archetypes in different ways, right? We have the passion of, um, you know, blood moving through our veins and like the kind of being aroused with Mars or wanting to pursue or go towards something, um, being angry, uh, rage, like the heat of the body, right? With Mars. And then with Venus, we're looking at the passion of love or the passion of desire, the, um, you know, I don't just Venusian things, but uh, Venus does have this also maybe indulgent or relaxed or serene kind of side too. But if we're putting Venus and Mars together, there's a great motivation here to move toward that which we find beautiful, um, to make moves, uh, Venus and Mars that happens, um, or, you know, make art. Like there is motivation to do Venusian things um, to move toward Venus. The other side of this to consider, however, is also aversion. Um, So dislike, distaste. How from a place of our aesthetic standards and values, we can feel repelled or even disgusted by that which we find ugly, unjust, or gross. And to fixate on it and to like really be passionate about our dislike. However, um, how we stand in relationship with all of that counts. The world is full of ugliness and we can hate ourselves and go to bed at night with a cold, charred, blackened heart. But is that really what we want and desire in our most tender truth? Probably not. You know, at a core level, most people really want to say yes to life and experience joy, love, and fulfillment. So then there's the question of how do we simultaneously hold the tension of our distaste for something and not split off from life or from ourselves in that um, averse kind of feeling state? And, you know, one might 
there's this way that sometimes, you know, depending on how you judge these things or where you're at with kind of shadow work stuff, we can really, um, put into shadow our judgments or our distaste and be like, you know, I'm not the kind of person that that's, who's that judgmental, or I'm not going to focus on how aggravated I am or how much I dislike this person or whatever. Um, but then there's also the quality of like, well, if that's there, if that's, coursing through your veins, you have these more intense, passionate feelings. Are you making love to yourself and to life in that feeling state? Or are you uh, further splitting off from yourself in that state of aversion? Like, I don't like this and I don't like myself for not liking this and, you know, moving back away from life, away from connection. So it's really interesting Mars and Venus together in that sense, because Venus does want to connect and Mars can relate to severing. And while there may be an upward ascension oriented, more solar Apollo kind of version of ourselves that aspires to move toward the light and embody the beautiful and the good, the sun naturally casts a shadow and look outside and you'll see it. Um, if we only tend to the light, the shadow just becomes more full of repressed content. Medicine wheels include all of the seasons, which includes the growth of the light in spring and summer and the descent of the light in fall and winter. Each season has value, but we may be preferential toward either the growing or the um, diminishing of the light. Venus and Mars in one another's celestial palaces may be an opportunity to bring coherence and connection to places that we would otherwise split off bringing fascination, curiosity, and love to untended places within ourselves. It can be easier to wish we were different or that life was different, and then I'd feel better. You know, then I would find pleasure in all of this. Ugh, and my heart just ached when I said that <laughs> in a very visceral way. Um, it's another kind of magical initiation to descend into what already is right? Like to radically choose to love life as it is right now. Not only may some poisons or some holding patterns be neutralized from our non-resistance, uh, but we might also discover hidden treasure that was locked up behind that wall of, of aversion that kept us disconnected to our inner sanctum. So I'm not saying a kind of love what you already have going on from a place of like plugging your ears and singing, you know, la 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 over it. No, I'm talking about finding the pleasure in a more true embodied sense for yourself. So one way that I like to do that, if I'm feeling um, emotional waves that are having me feel like I don't even want to be here, like this is too much, um, I would prefer that this wasn't happening. I don't like myself. I don't like the situation right now, like that kind of um, splitting sensation. One thing that can help me come back to connection to that moment is to uh, see it as a kind of cinematic moment and feel into the drama of it and find what's beautiful in the story. Maybe even write about it from the perspective of it being some kind of grand cinematic moment. And then I can sit with the reality of the conflict or that peak moment of discomfort that I'm in from a place of it being beautiful. Now, I'm Venusianly oriented and motivated. So, of course, uh, 
that might be my my particular agenda. Another way that this energy can play off is also being comfortable or finding the value in conflict or like feeling okay in ourselves if something isn't say working out or isn't harmonious that we don't um need things to be a certain way in order to feel like life is okay that can be another way but if you're more like me and you want everything to be beautiful and you're kind of motivated in that way it's like working with the material the raw material and finding how to be at um, at peace and at celebration with it so let me get into our week in more detail in a moment here i'm just going to share a few slides with announcements One is that you can find me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. That's a place that I love to share things, get on stories. Um, You can also get on my mailing list linked below. Um, You'll get a written version of these weekly forecasts every week, along with the link to the YouTube. And you'll also be notified of special events uh, when my courses are open, when my books are open, my astrology reading books. My Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is beginning again November 8th, 2021. This will be the ninth run of the course. I love this course deeply. We go into the foundations of evolutionary astrology. And the course is designed to give you a like a foundation to have a deep personal relationship with astrology. And this is an all-levels course. Um, I build it from the bottom. So if you're newer to astrology, you um, have that and you also have me as support. Um, But I also, you know, we go so deep um, and the material is very provocative and stimulating that it is um, enjoyable for people who have had, you know, a relationship with astrology for years already. Um, But it's designed so that wherever you're at with astrology, that this is a portal into going even deeper with it um, and to having like a really cohesive understanding of how to read charts from this particular technique of working with Pluto and the lunar nodes to dive into the story of why you're here from a multi-lifetime journey perspective, a reincarnation-based astrology. Um, So what kinds of Themes have you brought into this life that you've been working on for multiple lifetimes and putting your life, everything you've experienced into the context of that, that your experience has been the raw material necessary or helpful for you along this um, alchemical journey. So if you want to learn more about this course and read student testimonials, it is a very beloved course. You can read more info and those testimonials on the course page and enroll there. If you have any personal questions about your path learning astrology and feeling into how this course might work for you, you can also send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it. My novel, The Garden of Sleeping Hammers, is out. You can get a copy currently through Barnes & Noble paperback or hardcover through the link in the notes as well. New episode of Magic of the Spheres with Catherine Urban. We discussed family astrology, so repeating natal chart signatures, lunar signatures um, in family systems, um, and how that contributes to a family mythos. We talked about the moon in the fourth house as well. So you can uh, find this where you listen to podcasts. And I will be leading a guided meditation, a guided visualization on um, September 17th. 
um, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can sign up via the link in the notes as well. Um, this guided meditation or this guided visualization is going to be about psyche as inner wealth. Um, the actual, you know, asteroid psyche is said to be worth 75,000 times the global economy. Um, and I just find this so richly symbolic uh, of the the riches of psyche that when we drop in internally, and like I was saying at the beginning here of like taking anything that's happening in your life, any raw material, and just on the perspective that you have about it or the way that you work with it, it can suddenly become wealth, right? Internally. So I think that psyche, um, I'm looking at it more and more as a fractal version of the universe that the deeper we go within, the more um, it fans out to the cosmos itself, that we have this inner universe. Um, and visualization is one of my favorite practices. Um, I've been doing it naturally pretty much every day of my life um, since I was a kid. And I wanted to start offering some more kind of uh, experiential journeys um, with visualization um, since it's something I talk about so much. Um, so if you want to join, the link is in the notes as well. And I will get back to our week now. Venus enters Scorpio on September 10th at 1.39 p.m. Pacific and will stay in Scorpio until October 7th. This has um, the song immediately <laughs> came to mind of Lady Gaga's Bad Romance uh, for Venus in Scorpio. I want your ugly. I want your disease. I want your everything as long as it's free kind of energy of like uh, getting off to the, the ugly. <laughs> I think it's such a Venus in Scorpio kind of energy, um, you know, like disturbing or kind of macabre art um, or just really... Um, I think of Venus and Scorpio as the like, tell me your secrets and that will only make me love you more. And from a manipulative end, which is not as pretty, honestly, like tell me your secrets so that like you feel safe with me or like you feel like, you know, it's just you and me, baby. It's just us. Like the kind of like, I want to know you at a deep level so that I can have power or that, um, I can sting you even deeper, you know? So yes, it can be nefarious, <laughs> especially just in terms of uh, when we are not empowered within ourselves uh, or when people are not empowered within themselves and seek to kind of have or possess or control others in order to feel a certain way. And Venus and Scorpio can bring up some of that deeper uh, shadow content within love. Um, so you can feel into the difference, I'm sure, of this kind of spectrum of the the intimacy versus the power games that come from sharing of secrets. Uh, but we know it gets sticky and hairy in that kind of realm. So hence Lady Gaga's bad romance. Venus and Scorpio can bring a mood shift in the Venusian realm of our lives. So this being self-image and self-esteem relationship, pleasure, aesthetic, to name a few. In the tone of Scorpio, the mood can become more macabre, obsessive, intense, dark, mysterious, compulsive. Um, and, you know, because that content is coming up, 
that can also be an opportunity to experience emotional alchemy. Like you only really know what creepy kind of crawly things are happening underneath the surface when they show up and you can see them very clearly. So you might not think you're a jealous person until the thing that sparks your jealousy happens. So here's a few ideas and considerations. As the planet of harmony and beauty, Venus touches on the realm of the shadow and our most intense inner drives, Scorpio, and our need for power, Scorpio, there may be untended parts of ourselves that are grabbing our attention. This is naturally what occurs when anything is suppressed. It just comes out in a different way. Facing it becomes a route to empowerment and reclamation instead of continually trying to dodge the inevitable surfacing of things as it shows up in sneakier ways or in our triggers, right? So at a conscious level, you think you don't want or like something, but another unconscious part of you does. And so the desire comes out strange. It's like, At a conscious level, you don't want to be needy. You don't want to ask for help. You don't want to um, show that you're vulnerable. So when the time comes where that is your desire, you may kind of go for it in a kind of indirect way or it comes out sideways Um, versus, you know, what is it like to actually sit with, I am vulnerable or I do want care. Why am I judging this? Why is this so scary and terrifying to me? And how would I relate to this um, in a way where I'm actually claiming it and not casting it out? We might relate to our more tumultuous conflicts, the things in our life that we feel repelled by or at odds with by considering what hooks or attachments we have to them at a psychological level at a subconscious level. That allows us to do deeper work or magic. Consider the difference between altering yourself in your words and behavior at a more superficial level to please people whose opinions you are scared of, so you manicure and edit yourself at the surface level, versus neutralizing the hook within you that cares what they think about you in the first place, right? Those are two different, very, uh, two very different games. So to repeat that, it's like editing and manicuring yourself to kowtow to the fears that you have about how people will perceive you in certain ways versus doing the deeper like, wait, why am I hooked into the fear? Uh, Or like if that person or this group of people thinks that I'm this way, what part of me is on the hook? You know, because if you weren't on the hook, you wouldn't care and it wouldn't have that kind of power. Um to create this compulsive need to fit in or manicure yourself in a particular way. Sometimes self-awareness, epiphany, revelation that comes from honest reflection is enough to say neutralize a hook. Like we can see it and we're like, wow, okay, I can actually let that go. Um, But it may also be part of a greater practice of being committed to our deeper truth Um, As so neutralizing hooks can be part of a deeper practice of being committed to our deeper truth, not abandoning ourselves and tending to ourselves in a way that resources us with strength, fulfillment, resilience, 
to be able to walk away from our most stubborn holding patterns, not even by force, but just because it's the most natural thing to do. So it's kind of like a process of becoming less reactive and compulsive because instead of having this tumultuous kind of chemistry happening with the trigger and with the inner thing that is being triggered, you know, thus we are reactive or inflamed at a moment's notice. It's like being tending to that part um, in a day-to-day kind of way, like with that self-awareness. And then in that practice, you start to notice something come up where you're like, wow, a few years ago, I would have flown off the handle. I would have freaked out. And now I'm unbothered. Right. Like that's kind of the alchemical magic of tending to ourselves as opposed to being so, uh, you know, projecting this content onto the external. Venus and Scorpio can also highlight our need for passion and catharsis that maybe instead of keeping things nice, you know, just nice, we want to really get into our animal body and be wild. By relating to our edgier side expressively, uh, dance, a ritual of exaggerating the emotion, tantrum, uh, just a kind of more like raw, like sexual energy even, um, we give it space to move and we get to discover what our soul was telling us through the intense visitor of that emotion. So I find, you know, with this kind of Mars-Venus field, I think that there may be that kind of broiling feeling going on and what better way to work with it than to move the energy and to express it, um, especially, you know, in a kind of ceremonial container that is your uh, creativity or your self-love practice or your um, intimate container of your relationship, like just getting to really um, play with this energy that is kind of brewing uh, this week with these Uh, planetary ingresses. Then September 14th, the sun in 21 degrees of Virgo will oppose Neptune retrograde in 21 degrees of Pisces. I did not delineate that one, but we did have the Mars-Neptune opposition um, in the last forecast, which I talked about as kind of this um, dynamic between Virgo and Pisces of attention to detail and maybe a kind of like vigilance of getting things right according to those details versus the let go and let God, everything's fine, let it be. And so kind of going back on that for, um, back and forth between effort and grace, right? So we had Mars and Neptune. So there was some of that maybe spiritual warriorship or, you know, vivid dreams. And now the sun is going to pass over it. So it may just be that we, you know, those themes are coming up that axis is highlighted again but we have sun traveling where Mars was. So there may be some awareness or clarity uh, that is now shed on some of the things that were maybe um, our conflict last week. Then Mars will enter Libra 5.14 PM, September 14th, and we'll stay in Libra until October 30th. So we're going to get to see Mars and Scorpio um, on Halloween, which I think is nice. So Mars in Libra is value-driven. Mars relates to our will, our sense of direction, impulse, how we assert ourselves. Libra is a sign of harmonics, aesthetic, and relates to our values, what we think is beautiful and just. When Mars is in Libra, 
our vitality or sense of direction is connected to how we are in alignment with our value system. If we are unsure of our priorities, we can be prone to feeling indecisive or aimless. So then the challenge then becomes about uh, becoming clear about what truly matters to us. So one way we could look at this is like Mars general nature is just to um, want to freely move forward toward a goal or toward a desire, toward a trajectory without being inhibited. So just wanting to do it. Right. And Mars um, or Libra deliberates. It's the scales. Um, So there's a consideration of options. So Mars normally just wanting to like go do the thing is now thinking about what to do. And in that there can be some, you know, that's like whenever Mars is turned inward, um, which can happen in any sign. It's like that sense of not knowing, you know, where to go or maybe not feeling the courage or the kind of decisiveness to go do the thing. And so I think with Libra, um, it's not just that, oh, we'll be deliberating. We won't know what to do. It's that if we're clear about where we stand in terms of what we value, then decisions become easier to make. So this can be something, um, There may be places in your life where you actively already know, like it's not up for you. It's just an integrated part of your nature and you, um, it's fine. Right. But where you're feeling more of that kind of to do or not to do, uh, energy, uh, there's a value thing in question maybe. Um, so feeling into maybe at a more abstract idea, intellectual air sign level, what it is you care about, and then feeling into how your actions can align with those particular values. So it takes a little bit more deliberation and thought, uh, but why not? You know, like that could be exactly what we need at this moment. I've seen individuals with this placement, Mars and Libra, possess incredible clarity and capacity to live a value-led life, like philosophy or value um, in action. I've seen this take precedence over being nice or being a people pleaser or fitting in with the consensus, really. Um, And while these individuals are often charming and charismatic, because you do have Mars emphasizing the Libra quality, um... It's not that they're charming in the way that they're playing the same game as everyone else. Um, It's that they're fiercely in touch with their values and perhaps even consistent about it in such a way that it comes off like a code of honor. Like they, you know, live according to that kind of ethic. And this may, you know, be a development of Mars and Libra that occurs after cutting through the need to be agreeable for the sake of harmony itself. Mars and Libra can bring value through conflict, right? Through being aware of the consensus in the room and applying their um, life force to support and defend that consensus if they value it or to kind of throw a dart in it if they are like uh, dissenting to it. But there's that freedom or that sovereignty there of like, yes, I see the social matrix. I see the, the web of harmony in the room. I see the music that's happening and 
it's my choice if I'm going to play with it because I'm vibing with it or if I'm going to roll out something that conflicts the whole scene. Experientially, Mars, uh, Mars's transit through Libra may reveal our values to us in the places where our aversion or disagreement is cropping up. In some cases, it may be relevant to simply be oppositional, to be against something, to pose a different perspective. But often there is a creative thrust, a layer beneath that, to tune into the frequency of what is being valued that was revealed to us through the aversion um, and embody that or bring that knowledge into the conversation. So again, like some deeper inventory of if you are really not agreeing with something, moving beyond the binary of what it is that you're against in that moment and feeling into what deeper value system has been offended and awakened within me that I care enough to be irritated or angry. And what might that deeper value be asking forth from my inner uh, protector? And while all of this deliberation that I'm speaking to may slow uh, Mars's typical role, might that not be called for? As with any skill, one becomes more adept with time and practice, and the Mars and Libra game involves navigating conflict where complex situations from a value-led place with awareness of cause and effect and the greater social ecosystem and relational dynamics at play. It really feels strategic. It kind of feels like a chess game. It involves balancing our own sovereignty and truth with our desire for connection and being willing to let conflict or disagreement be the connection, right? Not uh, suppressing a part of ourselves to put a smile on and be fine, but like actually to come forth into the situation with, um, with the conflict. This is a little bit different, I suppose, than picking our battles. I mean, where it counts um, to not hide and kind of bring forth that disagreement layer. Um, because in reality, you know, we as people, we value different things um, or we have different priorities. So when we come together, you know, we also have different histories and different associations and different um, interpretations of things. So there's a natural kind of clashing and harmonization that occurs. And I think Mars and Libra really um, can bring some some awareness to those places of uh, clashing and aversion and work with them. So might this tension create innovation in how we approach our relationships and our personal sense of direction? So all in all, when we're looking at Venus in Scorpio and Mars in Libra, there's kind of, um, there's tensions and there's kind of like a passion or like a tussling energy. So definitely something that can be uncomfortable at some points um, and also something that can be played with and can be quite fun and enlivening um, and maybe a mix of both. Let me know how you're doing, how you're experiencing these transits in the comments, like this video. Thank you so much for being here. I love all of you and I'll see you next time.